Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of, of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, and Dr. Kathy Greenberg will not be with us uh, today. She's out. But between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we always have great guests on our show. And today we have Dr. Paula Lake. Um, we're going to talk about leadership, burnout, and that toxic work environment. Dr. Paula Lake is a clinical and rehab psychologist who works with individuals to create positive change and dissolve barriers that interfere with personal success. She's a registered psychologist in private practice in Nanaimo in British Columbia. And Dr. Lake enjoys helping people with a variety of conditions. She works around interpersonal problems, fears, anxieties. She provides services to individuals suffering from burnout and other emotionally distressed uh, states that interfere with personal functioning and that may interfere with your performance at work, often as the consequence of involvement with a toxic or demanding work environment. All of us uh, know about that or have been involved in that. We'll hear more about what that toxic work uh, environment is like. Dr. Lake has a special interest in helping people identify these situations, this atmosphere, and what tools to manage and cope better with the workplace uh, environment. So Kathy and I always want to bring you uh, the best and current leadership topics, we like having interviews with proven leaders, and one of our things is to provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And we know leaders are the heartbeat of the organization. Most leaders, though, underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams underperform. The good news is if you can just do a, a few things differently, this can drastically improve your performance and that of your organization. So on all our shows, we have a variety of different topics, things like what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence, positive psychology, how do you develop more leaders in your organization, brain and neuroscience is a key interest of ours, generation and gender differences, work-life balance, some of what we're going to focus on today, strategies to manage your boss. I think uh, Dr. Lake will also get into some of that. Self-management tools, we'll talk about that plus many more tools and tips. And then before I bring on Dr. Lake, we'd like to give you some of this evidence-based uh, best practices. So some of the information in leadership development news, why do we talk about leaders? Well, leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. This is research out of the Hay Group that's been going on for quite a while. Emotions are contagious, and we like to say that the leader is the emotional thermostat for their team. If they are hot and irritated and stressed, typically their team is hot, irritated, and stressed. If they're calm, cool, collected, uh, diplomatic, their team is going to be calm, cool, collected, diplomatic. And one of the goals, if you're developing others, is to get people into the top 10%. And why the top 10%? Well, we know as someone moves into that top 10%, they produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And the further you move up in the organization, 
the more you need these competencies of emotional intelligence when compared to IQ or technical expertise. And a lot of the interesting research shows that if you have training in an organization, that always helps. There's about a 22% increase in productivity. But if you have training and then ongoing coaching, uh, I'm a um, certified coach, Dr. Lake is, Dr. Kathy Greenberg is. When you add coaching to training, there's about an 88% boost in productivity. And we're always looking for some of these micro initiatives. What are the small things? No one has much time, but what are the small things that can make a macro impact? So we'll talk with Dr. Lake about that. And if you're interested in more information about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. She has happiness books, tools, information about her speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you want more information about me, Dr. Rowan Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence, tools, books. There's some free assessments there, um, boot camps, speaking keynotes, and leadership and coaching services. So, um, Dr. Lake, how about Yes. I want to welcome you to the show. How are well, you? Thank you. I'm very good and happy to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, we have some good questions and some uh, interesting things to talk about. Let me just give you a little bit more about your background. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, being a registered psychologist yes. up there in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also have your Ph.D. in clinical psychology from University of Saskatchewan. Since you are a member of the Canadian Society of Clinical Hypnosis and also the British Columbia Psychological Association, the Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing uh, International Association, the EMDR, mm-hmm. and also the American Psychological Association, mm-hmm. and that you are registered with the College of Psychologists for British Columbia. Okay. And the, also interesting information, Dr. Lake has her own radio show like we have here on CHLY, it's 101.7 FM, it's a community radio in Nanaimo, and you present a lot of different topics about um, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Paula, for at least uh, agreeing to be on, on the show here. Yeah, thank you for asking me. This is, I'm looking forward to this. Well, so tell me a little bit. We always usually like to start off with this. Just you know, some of the, the key people who have maybe been influential for you, you know, key thinkers, leaders in your life that may have uh, shaped the way you think about your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, it's, there's a, probably a long history to that, but really, starting with my clinical training, I really was influenced by uh, my interest in, in resilience. Resilience was my kind of driving interest through a lot of my career, and looking at how do people really thrive and excel when there's in the face of challenge. And any theorist that I've encountered in my history has really been the primary influence uh, on me that's, that's uh, helped me understand more about that. So Gendlin is someone who taught self-awareness. And so, you know, the thing I like about this concept of emotional intelligence is it really ties in with a lot of the work that I've done in my past around enhancing self-awareness. I started with Greenberg, uh, um, who did a lot of work on uh, resolving past issues. Um, Gendlin has been someone who I think has been excellent in helping me understand how do we understand ourselves, how do we become more self-aware, and how do we learn to regulate ourselves internally. And 
So that has really been a big influence for me, has developing those self-regulation tools, understanding self, learning communication tools, and any theorist that's played a role on that has been uh, an influence for me. Seligman, who taught on uh, positive psychology. Um, Gottman, a communication theorist uh, with couples, did a lot of work on how do we uh, enhance our communication with within relationships. Um, and I think the thing that excites me the most is that now there's uh, uh, all this research that's tying in really well with all of those theorists about emotional intelligence and uh, and the power of being able to understand yourself, communicate better, and it really enhances all of our lives. So those are some of the researchers uh, that have affected me, as well as um, learning about hypnosis has been really, it's one of the things that I do in my practice, and it ties in very well with uh, positive psychology and helping people uh, become more uh, self-directive, becoming good leaders from within. Well, these are all great, uh, great influences. And so just this idea of resilience for our listeners, that's, it's, that, it's that ability to really kind of bounce back. We all had setbacks, but how is it that one person uh, from a setback stays down and another person gets up? That has been the key for me of what I've always wondered. Why is it some people will kind of really struggle in the face of a challenge and other people rise above? And they do find, and there's a lot of consistent research right now that's showing that people who think in certain ways, who have an ability to manage their emotions, who have an ability to read people, those are all aspects of... Um, um, thriving. And the other piece of it is how people interpret their experiences. Uh-huh. Uh, certainly Fredrickson, and we've talked about Fredrickson and positivity, talks about how important it is uh, the way that we interpret our experiences shapes also how we experience it and how we, how we adjust to it. Um, you know, and I know of a lot course, of you've mentioned just a moment earlier about uh, the neurobiology which I find is absolutely fascinating because it's really confirming a lot of those things we suspected in the past, but it's confirming it at a biological level. We're actually looking at the brain now and being able to say, you know, these ways of being uh, alter our experience of life and also alter us on a physiological level. Well, so this is all fascinating information. We'll get into a little bit more of this as we go on, but I think you and I both have this interest in the neurobiology, the uh, brain neuroscience, you know, the brain's been that that black box that mm-hmm. until recently, you know, we haven't necessarily known what goes on, and for our listeners, uh, male, female, whatever level you are in your organization, all day long you're making decisions, all day long you're, tr- you're regulating or not regulating your emotions, and, and yeah. it does uh, impact on how you think. It impacts on how you influence others. So this yeah. is all going to be um, great information. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Paula, tell me a little bit about what kind of work uh, and clients that you do you work with now, and that will give us a broad picture, and then we'll zero in on some of these concepts. Two minutes. Yeah, I work with some, I primarily work with adults. Um, and the people that I end up seeing are people that have already uh, gone through the challenges. They've uh, have come to me with the depression. With so it's after the problem has already occurred. So uh-huh. I will get clients coming in 
who've suffered really in a negative work environment or been struggling in a, in a work environment, and they come to me when it's already a little bit too late for them to have picked themselves up before. They probably should have uh, looked at the problems a little earlier, but they come to me at the point where they're struggling in the workplace and they can't function. Often they will even take time off work, so they're either fallen into burnout or depression. Um, they don't know how to manage the workplace conflict, and so they're already at that point of needing to really repair themselves from the bottom up. One minute. Okay. Um, so we're going to we're going to come back in a minute and especially try to follow up on on this topic. But so you see people usually, like you said, when it's a little too late, and at least for some of our listeners, there'll be some information in. We'll talk about what are some of the signs, symptoms of a toxic workplace. You know, what are some of the signs or symptoms with themselves so that they can catch it earlier. And this is Leadership Development News, and we're going to be right back. We're talking with Dr. Paula Lake, and we'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. 
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of star performers. We're talking with Dr. Paula Lake. She's up in British Columbia. And uh, before the break, Paula, we were talking a little bit about um, you see people as a result of being in a uh, toxic workplace. Mm-hmm. How would you describe a toxic workplace? Well, you know, what, what is it and, and, and why this toxic is such a strong word? What is mm-hmm. toxic? It's a strong word. I actually don't mind that word only because it, it hints, of course, of the infectious element of being in a toxic workplace. It Really, it's about um, uh, an environment, uh, a work environment that can have a negative effect on either individuals or groups um, collectively. And it really has a negative impact on people's ability to continue to function and thrive in the workplace. So morale might be affected, uh, motivation. Um, people might end up feeling really inadequate in their workplace. Maybe the environment is set up so that people don't feel validated for the work they're doing or they feel minimized. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be toxic personalities. So there might be certain individuals in the workplace that perhaps are um, um, negative in their approach or they're critical right. in their approach. They're perhaps demeaning or passive-aggressive or they are controlling or micromanaging. So those are some of the issues I know people can get triggered by. Sometimes it's systemic. So it could be um, really the, the promotional um, attitudes, attitudes towards a demand of workplace that really is not set up for people to feel they can succeed in their workplace. So they end up walking out feeling inadequate as if they've failed. So when I see them, they've already lost a lot of confidence in their ability to work effectively. They don't feel very valued in the workplace. So there could be uh, um, individuals in the workplace that contribute, and, of course, a leader, uh, a toxic leader, would spread quite <laughs> quite um, uh, easily. Uh, along the group with the groups so that's really what a toxic workplace is and i see people not always aware that they're in this kind of environment they they don't know why they're affected so negatively all they know is when they go to work they feel uh, negative they feel critical they feel down on themselves uh in terms of their performance in terms of their feeling valued in the workplace and so um that's huge and it sounds like from what you're saying a lot of people it may not be as clear exactly what's going on. They know they just no. don't feel good, and it may be a, numer- a number of factors that are all working at once. Mm-hmm. And I, probably there may be some people that don't come to see me that already have some coping tools in place. Right. The ones that I find come to see me, there may be some personal factors that are playing a role. If they're with a manager or a boss who is 
uh, may remind them of someone personally that uh-huh. they're struggling with if there's a lot of negative interactions. Um, I, I know some uh, clients that come to me and they feel that um, their work is mostly scrutinized, but they don't get any of the pats on the back. There's a sense that they can never do enough to complete their task in the day and that they never really leave the work feeling they've accomplished much. And those have a really negative impact on people's morale. And by the time they come to see me, they have uh, no energy. They don't even want to be at the workplace. They're pretty well going through the motions. And, of course, what does that affect is their productivity. Sure, sure. Well, some of the interesting research that I know that you're uh, aware of, we can kind of bring into this, you know, the... uh, the Gallup company, who has done research on uh, workplace, and they call it uh, engagement, mm-hmm. and about 5 million people or so have said that uh, 65% of the American workers have received no praise or recognition in the last year. Mm. You know, kind of a simple thing, and I know when I first heard that, I just thought, wow, that is just he- that's so high. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I always run into people in talks that I give that have been in some, they always say it's some previous organization, that they've been in, that's one reason why they may have left, that Mm -hmm. they haven't received any praise, any recognition, any acknowledgement whatsoever. And then, like you're saying, on the other side, instead of that, it's been replaced with criticism, um, you know, micromanaging, you know, things that can just get under your skin. Absolutely, yes. Well, another piece of that, and then you can maybe comment on that, is um, from the research that if someone is been feels like they've been regularly unfairly criticized kind of like you're saying that you know someone's constantly picking at them mm-hmm. and not listened to so unfairly criticized and not listened to their chance of a cardiac event goes up about 30 percent yeah it's pretty amazing i think the research that's out there now and i think it certainly um will have people think twice uh and take it a little bit more seriously, I'm hoping. Some of this research uh, on that health health psychology really is how, um, you know, these toxic environments that people work in actually can impact your your physical status and, and how you do uh, on an emotional and physical level. So I know for, for some of our listeners, um, I imagine they're, you know, part of this feeling helpless uh, with a toxic boss. So I'm sure you've had people come in and, you know, the person that they have the most difficulty with is their boss. Mm-hmm. And some of the research I've seen, you know, that your life satisfaction, 50% of your life satisfaction can come from your relationship with your boss. And again, when I first heard that, I thought it was high. And I think it's true if you have one of these toxic bosses that it really just gets under your skin and it's kind of, you carry it away, you can't shake it. So. What are what are some of the things um, that you've seen, you know, or you help people with about dealing with a boss who may be toxic? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the, the, because they've come in to see me at a time when they're already um, really suffering the consequences of it. A big part of what I do is also first helping them enhance their own self-awareness because because they're not always aware of why they're feeling so demoralized by going to work. Mm. 
they don't often know what their own triggers are. So I really help people um, understand what it is about this boss that is really impacting them on a negative level. Um, Some of it might be a communicational issue. Um, so there may be uh, ways in which the um, the employer is communicating that has an impact. So I really do help people develop some personal coping tools. And to if, the, if this is a job they value and if this is a job they determine that, yes, I want to be staying in this position, it matters to me because for some people they might want to think twice about that. But if it's a job they value, then it's really about learning some of their own personal tools for managing it. Um, for coping, perhaps the knee-jerk reactions that they have to an employer may be either aggravating the situation or it could be uh, perhaps something they need to consider altering because those uh, would only make the position of working with a difficult boss more difficult. So really it's about learning how do you manage impulses. Um, what are some strategies you can do with a boss? Perhaps there are some communication strategies that uh, this person doesn't have or boundaries that need to be set in an effective, rational manner. Because, you know, we've talked about in the past uh, we're in our emotional reactive state Mm -hmm. that we're not thinking very well. And that may apply to the boss, but it also applies to the person who's working with the boss is really learning these internal self-regulation tools to manage them in getting what they want out of their workplace. The other part of it is um, helping someone really focus on the task of what they're doing in their job. So if there are expectations that they want to meet in their position, helping them get clear on what are your tasks in the job. I've, I've had some clients come in where you have a difficult boss, but there's also ambiguity in the expectations, Mm. and that can create ongoing problems. So I might help this person um, get clear on what are are the parameters of their work uh, um, obligations and commitments so that they can solely focus really on their task and what they need to do and find a way to insulate themselves uh, from some of that toxicity. So, so let's maybe just give a couple examples because this may hone it down a little bit of, of what you're saying. Let's say you have this boss who uh, is never happy, never satisfied with the work you have, and it may become that they're never satisfied with themselves, but mm-hmm. it comes out to you, the employee, that you don't hear any praise, you don't hear any recognition, but what you do hear is criticism. And, um, and like you said also, there may be a, a level of, them not being clear even what they want but mm-hmm. meanwhile you're on the end of getting you know feels like everything you do is not good enough mm-hmm. how, how would you uh how would you help someone to insulate themselves to that given that that's probably going to happen every day well if that's happening on a daily basis i would really i like to look at every individual case and I want to definitely understand a little bit more about um, this boss's style because if they are very irrational, um, one thing I'm aware of is we cannot necessarily, we can manage a boss or manage an an employer as much as we can within certain parameters. What what you can manage for yourself are perhaps um, watching um, what, how often are these interactions taking place? If there are any other ways of communicating with this boss, 
um, if when the emotions are a little bit low, when things have calmed down, if there's any opportunity to have any constructive communication with the boss, then I'd like to look at that. That's not always possible, though. Right. So would and you suggest, you know, I guess every, this, this is hypothetical, um, when would you talk to them about the situation? And then are there times when you say, you know, that's not a good idea because... You know, it's going to shed. It's going to put you in the wrong light, and you're going to get more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be, a, I would think, a critical decision. Should I bring something up, or that's only going to make it worse? That is a critical decision, and I like to look at um, a little bit of the history. Um, so, if there have been no attempts made to have a conversation, then it's a good time to take a chance and find out what could be a way or a time that you could really sit down and, and have a conversation. And I will actually work with someone to determine how are they going to communicate that, um, what would be the best way. Because often the uh, person, that may, the client I see may not have the tools themselves yeah. to approach. If they don't have assertiveness skills or they don't have the communication to do that, then I will actually take the time and help them do that. If that door, it doesn't seem open, if it's been something that's been attempted and from our determination we can say, okay, you know, there's been a real um, attempt at this, it it has made it worse, then it's about learning how to contain it and how to work. Certainly developing some some peer support in the workplace is important. I actually One minute. use... I actually use um, a lot of visual tools um, for self-management. I teach people things, um, anything from relaxation, training, helping them learn how to disengage, um, perhaps learning some self-talk tool, learning how to acknowledge some of the work you're doing, becoming uh, good at determining your own, measuring your own capacity in the workplace. Um, because if it's not coming from the boss and there's no openness, there's no avenue to correcting that, uh, then it's going to be about learning ways that you can not personalize uh, uh-huh. that um, negative interaction and finding visual tools, which I will use, because um, I do work in hypnosis. So I will help people um, find ways to deflect and, and perhaps come back to an issue later when things are calmer. So it really depends on the situation, okay. and I look at it on an individual basis for the client and um, and the workplace they're in. So, um, Paula, we'll, we'll come back in a minute to this. I want to hear maybe about what some of these kind of visual techniques are that you're talking about in dealing with a toxic uh, boss. We're talking with Dr. Paula Lake. We're talking about toxic work environments, toxic bosses, This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 we're always talking business Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Profiles and practices of uh, top performers. Dr. Kathy Greenberg is not with us today, but I am talking with Dr. Paula Lake, a uh, psychologist from British Columbia, and we're talking about toxic environments, toxic uh, bosses. And before the break, Paula, you were mentioning, you know, sometimes you may do a visualization uh, if the person assesses that they can't get out of that situation. That's what we're saying. Sometimes the value of working with a coach assessing should i say something should i not say something Mm -hmm. if i choose that it's only going to make it worse then going back to what can they do for themselves so like what kind of visualizations what kind of things could could people do in that kind of toxic uh, environment um one of the things i always start with in the beginning of my work with people is um, help them imagine how they would like to see themselves ideally responding to that situation and um, what? How would they ideally like to um, see themselves responding on many different levels emotionally? Do they want to see themselves being calm and um, collected when they're responding? Um, perhaps they want to see themselves being able to 
um, with they, as they are receiving perhaps a criticism, to learn tools for just shaking it off and not letting it, um, not internalizing some of that negative stuff that's being directed or they feel is being directed at them. Visualization, I find, is a very powerful tool, um, you know, partly because of my training in hypnosis and certainly with this work in neurobiology. A lot of the work in sports psychology is also focusing on what we envision um, we, and we rehearse in our brain. Um, we are more likely to enact in reality. And so in envisioning their ideal way of responding in that kind of work setting, um, perhaps to see themselves as being calm, not not internalizing those critical comments, um, finding calming even visualizations throughout the day that will help them learn how to self-regulate their own emotions inside. So in a way, it's creating a bit of a, a buffer um, from some of that negative criticism it's really hard to say that someone's not going to be affected at all by it because we are feeling people and we receive information from our environments. But there are tools now that if we can envision and enhance that visualization. So I incorporate that with a lot of the work I do in the learning the physiology also of being upset. So when we get triggered by a boss or an employer, everything starts to happen. Heart rate increases, cortisol starts to go throughout the body. And, you know, and learning how to even regulate your internal physiological reaction can be um, a, a good tool. So through that, if they can incorporate that visualization, it is somewhat of a reprogramming. Mm -hmm. And if someone practices that on a regular basis, um, they find that over time they start responding uh, better to those critical situations. Um, so that's the visual end of it. The other part of it is um, all the internal dialogue people go through when they go to work and perhaps learning how to modify some of their own internal dialogue because often people start in, the, in a toxic environment. One of the biggest things that happens is people start to question themselves question their worth at the workplace, question their own abilities. And so you're going to need to f develop those tools to um, validate and see what it is you are accomplishing. And some of that might come through peers. Some of that might come through your own acknowledgement of the things you are doing well at work. So I use a combination of things, looking at internal dialogue as well as mm -hmm. that visual and changing any beliefs that maybe are... Um, you know, uh, influencing that person negatively and changing them to something more positive so that they can see themselves as people who can, um, can, can deal with the situation, that they can rise above and that they do not have to sort of internalize all of that toxic stuff at work that they encounter. It, it seems like a lot of this is <clears throat> giving them the tools to just be more prepared. And if we, if we look at that word triggered, Mm -hmm. It seems like with the visualization, some of the self-talk that you're you're getting them so they're not going to be triggered as much. And I think mm -hmm. some of the brain neuroscience talks about expectations. Mm -hmm. And I imagine when someone's getting triggered, they just can't believe this is going on. We always say that to her. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. Yes. And so it sounds like some of the work between the visualization, the self-talk, is 
is to manage those expectations and say, this probably is going to happen, mm-hmm. so that you're not so shocked when it does happen that you can more quickly move into action versus this reaction of, oh, I can't believe it happened, and either the fight or flight or freeze yeah. uh, response. Mm-hmm. Because obviously at that point, the employer is not the source of that you know, I like to use that Stephen Covey uh, emotional bank account metaphor because uh-huh. I think it's a wonderful one. But if the employer is not someone who is putting in those deposits, uh, you're going to need to find alternative ways to create uh, the deposits in that bank account, that emotional bank account. And if it's not coming from that source, because toxicity for me is usually uh, an environment that does a lot, of, takes a lot of withdrawals out. <laughs> yeah, there aren't enough deposits being put in that bank account and that emotional account. And um, so those would be forms finding as many internal and external resources that you can find that are going to keep that deposit in there. Well, and I think, and you mentioned earlier, talking with peers, often what we may think is just venting or sometimes they can get a negative connotation as gossiping. Mm -hmm. Um, The venting just being able to name a feeling, you know, you have to name it to tame it. And now some of the stuff like I know, you know, um, changes the focus in the brain from being reactive, which is probably the amygdala mm-hmm. that gets blood and oxygen. But now there's research that if you can label what the emotion is, you know, affect labeling, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's what you do in your practice. You know, I've yeah. done that. Just labeling it, you know, that you're feeling... Uh, helpless, you're feeling out of control, you know, that's normal with this person, they're probably not aware of that, changes how you're framing it in the brain that it's it's less on the amygdala and you're bringing in the logical prefrontal cortex side. Yes. Or Do you find are people able to, to be able to do that? Because I know it's a hard skill, that kind of reframing. Uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. I do a lot of experiential work with my clients mm. um, because I find that's usually the most powerful um, is when they get to actually experience the shift in, in, in the session. So how uh, would you do that, just to give an example, like in the session? Would you ha- would you actually make like you're the punitive boss? or um, I would on occasion. Sometimes I may even engage in a role play uh-huh. um, with uh, the client and really help them... Uh, f- uh, find um, uh, a way that they can deal with it. It, it almost, it, it's like uh, inoculation. <laughs> in yeah. Respects. They do it in a safe environment and they, f- they can practice a little bit more at how to regulate themselves and uh. not be triggered. And I find that it's more powerful when they get to actually enact it. It's, it's, there's yeah. the, um, of course, there's a mental rehearsal that you do through hypnosis and visualization but there's also, when you engage more of the senses, uh, you know, verbal and actually enacting, you're taking, you're using another sense in the brain. The more senses that you access in, in preparing someone to do something different in the future, the more powerful the influence will be. So I like what you're saying, you know, we're moving into flu season, and sometimes you get a little bit of the flu to inoculate yourself. So in the uh, individual coaching sessions that you may have with someone, you're going to maybe give them a little bit of toxicity so that they can better handle it or repel it or or reframe it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I find that so part of it 
is learning for them to deal with the actual employer, boss, colleague, mm-hmm. whoever they're finding they're having a problem with, because uh, they may there may be something about that employer, and and sometimes I actually have people say, well, this employer reminds me of somebody from my past, and so it could be a personal trigger that they need to deal with. It's not just a pro- on a professional level. Um, but sometimes it is really just a professional that people have a hard time, uh, you know, feeling that sense of worth inside when they're interacting with this particular uh, toxic individual. Sure, sure. Well, that's where it sounds like all these tools that you're bringing in can really help. Mm-hmm. One minute. So uh, we're going to go to a, a break in a, in a second, but when we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit about what, what would someone experience if they're burned out? We've been talking about, you know, how would you deal with a boss, um, you know, that maybe is critical or micromanaging. But so what, what if someone didn't have that awareness? Are there, we'll come back and talk about are there some physical symptoms. You know, how does someone know that they're burned out? So we'll come back and check in with that. And we're talking with Dr. Paula Lake. And we're talking about toxicity in the workplace, dealing with bosses who are may be challenging for you and this is leadership development news and we'll be right back whether the market's up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking... With Dr. Paula Lake, we're talking about these toxic work environments that many people find them in. And before the break, Paula, we were, we were mentioning, um, are there some signs and symptoms that someone would know they're burned out? And like we talked about how important self-awareness is, but sometimes this goes on in the body and that there may be some signals for folks. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually, um, you can tell. I, uh, sometimes people are, the people who are less emotionally self-aware would probably end up being more somatically aware. They'll be aware of their physical symptoms. So physical symptoms, physical exhaustion is one of them. Uh, feeling drained a lot of the times. Um, when people reach that point of burnout, um, their immune system seems to be affected. So, mm-hmm. you know, they could start getting lots of colds and feeling sick uh, more of the time. Headaches can happen. Um, changes. One of the things I notice people talk about is the um, change in sleep and appetite. Um, I had one client who basically had absolutely no reserves left that when she did go off of work, um, she said she was in bed for about three weeks. Now, that, that's a fairly <laughs> significant wow, yeah. um, uh, symptom. And so for her, her appetite had left, her sleep had been affected. Um, and there was a real, on an emotional level, she came out feeling like a failure, like she'd really not done well at her job, feeling not valued in her workplace, um, feeling quite alone, um, you know. So those are the areas that really get impacted. Okay. Well, I know uh, from a physiological, just this constant release of cortisol, you know, to deal with stress that you really get, you just get drained and you just don't have, you know, like the exhaustion. There's a depletion element. Depletion, to it. There's yes. nothing left in that bank account, in that emotional account, to give any more, even in terms of coping. The coping resources essentially have um, diminished, and the person doesn't have whatever worked for them before to cope isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I find happens when people reach that point of burnout. And it, when you start noticing these signs, um, earlier on, when you wake up in the morning and you feel very unmotivated, low energy to get to work, you feel maybe a dread, that's usually not a good sign. And if okay. <laughs> you start seeing that, then it's good to take inventory and say, what's going on? Because when I leave work, I feel more drained than when I go to work. So those are real things to look at. And I know, um, you know one of the definitions is that, that if someone's feeling depressed is kind of a moving away from emotions and you know that maybe just that they're they're uh, angry resentful yeah so you end up kind of moving away from all that by getting more depressed tired sad and blue all that yeah the they may have crossed through a complaining stage or a period where uh they still had the energy they still were feeling the stress of it but enough to keep going at work uh you reach a point where the 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 fight in you is gone and i think at the point of burnout the fight in you is gone at that point well, let's talk about some of the prevention strategies that you like to work with folks that are a little bit more upbeat, some things that people can do if they notice some of these signs, you know, early on that they can start doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, again, I keep going back to that self-awareness mm-hmm. uh, model because, again, of emotional intelligence because I find the people that come in by the time they come to see me, they didn't always notice that it was as bad as it was and until it got to the point where they couldn't work anymore. Um, I think self-management is about really getting a clear, uh, spending some time getting clear on what's happening. That, that's Once they've figured out that the workplace is the um, one of the sources that's affecting them, then it's like, how can you start to develop, um, if you go back to that emotional bank account, emotional account metaphor, how, what can you start to do to do deposits in your, uh, in your life, in your personal mm. life? Um, it could be exercising, having more balance. If you've been someone who's taken on more responsibility at work, 
and who's been driven to that level and perhaps felt pressure at that level, it may mean pulling back a little bit and starting to determine what are going to be things that will contribute. And I actually, one of the things I say to, to people is it's not really a luxury to take care of self. It's actually really important, and it's going to sustain you in the workplace. So if you are having more work-life balance um, where you are actually taking the time to eat healthy, to exercise, to sleep. It's amazing how those very fundamental basics can help people cope with stress better, including in the workplace. It's, um, it just gives more of those internal resources to help you deal with the stress that you feel at work. What I find people do when they come to see me is they've been doing the opposite. So they've been feeling less satisfied at work, having a harder time at work, so they actually may work harder or worry more about work. That is not helping. It's really shifting their perspective so that they are doing more um, activities in their personal life. Um, Other things that I will tell people on on a level of uh, prevention is, um, for preventing burnout is also learning about self learn setting boundaries. Mm. Um, not everybody knows how to do that, and in the workplace where you know I work with the RCMP, uh, uh, the police officers. Uh, That's what Royal Canadian Mounted, Royal Canadian Police. Mounted Police in Nanaimo, and they're a fairly big organization with limited resources, so they tend to. Uh, just keep loading on to the officers themselves a lot of duties that are not part of their role. And so I will work with some individuals to help them learn how do you start to, you need to start getting clear on what your own reserves are and what can you realistically accomplish because there's really no end to it. And, you know, if if you don't delineate an end to it, then nobody else will. And if Mm -hmm. you're in a workplace that doesn't attend to that, then the responsibility falls on the person, the employee who's there to do that. And, and I imagine what happens, and I know this happens for me too, and I imagine you, <clears throat> the busier you get, all these self-care, um, self-management, you know, at things that you know you should do, you just don't, you don't do. So the time when you need it the most, they end up falling off because, you know, it yeah. just moves down the list of priorities. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you help people move that back up the list and, and let them know, do you really got to do this? This is the time to do it. I think about it on, you know, it's interesting because I think about it on a a brain level. I tell people, you know, you don't exercise for two weeks and expect to be fit for life, right? Right. I think that same way about self-care because it's not about you take care of yourself for half a year and then you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) The truth is it has to be incorporated as a lifestyle and a way of being. And in the brain sense, I always think about keeping that vision of your life in the forebrain and keeping it uh, something that is not getting put in the back of your brain, which is saying it's not that important. The truth is it is essential. So I do a lot of work with, you know, really convincing people on a physiological level, the value of doing this um, on a resilience survival level on a thriving level so the more people and that's the beauty of all this research that we have now uh, with neurobiology and and health psychology that we're now saying you know what these things will help you thrive if you make it incorporated into part of your practice in life one minute i will have people do engage in daily 
concrete habits, whether it's um, uh, doing some meditation in the morning mm. or going for walks, learning to incorporate these things on a daily basis into their lives, not only when the crisis hits, but just having it be part of their lives. Well, this is, uh, this is great, Paula. We're talking with Dr. Paula Lake. <clears throat> and, and, Paula, let's get your uh, website. People want to have some more information about you. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you go ahead and give your website? Yeah, my website is uh, Belarose and Lake. That's B-E-L-L-E-R-O-S-E and Lake.com. And um, this has been fascinating, just getting some more information about uh, the, the work that you do and, and how someone dealing with a toxic environment, toxic moss, and how do you uh, manage yourself in a way that you can <clears throat> better deal with those situations. So, Paula, any last things you want to say before we will sign off here? Well, I just want to thank you, really, for inviting me to be on the show. I really um, find this is uh, a really good time for people to be getting into this and learning um, how to how to um, how to thrive in their lives. It's going to help them not only professionally; it's going to help them personally, um, just overall. So, I really encourage people to pursue these ends of the self care to prevent any of these problems from happening to them. Uh, well, thank you very much. I, I've enjoyed it. And uh, best to you, and let me sign off. This has been Leadership Development News. We've been talking with Dr. Paula Lake. Our whole show is about the few things that you can do a little bit differently to help you uh, perform in the top 10% and your team and your organization. So thank you, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. 